Hello everyone and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast where we coach you in the Word of God. Today we're going to begin part three of our message entitled Aborting the New Birth. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We pray that you'll open our eyes, that we can see our ears, that we can hear our heart that we can know what the Word of God is saying to us. And then, Father, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak. Jesus, as we seek your mind, may you speak through the Holy Spirit. As we surrender to your mind, may you speak through the Holy Spirit. And Father, we having been entrusted with your words, we'll give them to your people. We bless you, we thank you, and we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Today, of course, we're going to begin with part three of Aborting the New Birth. I want to thank all of those of you from around the country and and those that have been with us from around the world for joining with us to study the Word of God. I pray that it's a blessing to you, and I pray that it not only helps you in your Christian growth, but if you are in ministry, that it helps you in ministry as well. Uh, We invite you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's messaging. However, we would love to hear from you, and may God bless you for doing so. Today we're going to begin by finishing Paul's teaching from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Now Paul uh, prays for their understanding of the truths that he has brought forward in Galatians 2. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord, that's very important, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. These truths are made alive by wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. The one who understands the truth lives to be developed in the spiritual insight that strengthens both the spirit, the mind, and the flesh. The term God represents the divine trinity. This trinity brought forward Jesus Christ who has become our Lord. Now if you follow my teachings, you'll recall the importance of the relationship with Uh, the man that each name and the, the titles possess. Now, how is the father of exaltation producing the spirit that is so vital in these three distinct ways of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge so that we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord and His relationship to the exalted Father. 
Look with me at, uh, for a second at Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Shortly, I'm going to do a complete study on who has faith and the operation of faith and how faith works. You won't want to miss those. Now, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He is doing his work. Jesus Christ is doing his work by faith. That faith, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, is a gift of God, or it is a gift that preceded and was provided by the Godhead for the benefit of mankind. Of course, that gift of faith became the genesis of receiving what grace did and subsequently brought to us the saved life. Now, stop here for just a second and say this. Grace is Jesus Christ. It is who he is. So grace is him as Jesus, the healer, the forgiver of the cross. Grace is him as preserver, the one who buried the flesh but preserved the inner man at the tomb. Grace is him who was delivered by the Holy Spirit with the keys of death and hell and became Christ, the victoriously anointed one, resurrected from the dead and given a new body. Grace is him as the high priest who uh, works over the offering of his own sacrifice. He oversees the offering of his own sacrifice as high priest, sprinkles blood on the vessels of ministry for the safety of those who believe. Grace is him as Lord. He's Lord, the exalted Lord over everything and every knee bows. Grace is him as the man in the Godhead bodily, who as the member of the divine Godhead speaks to us through the Holy Spirit and gives us the instructions of the mind of Christ. Grace is all of that. Grace is the lordship of soundness. Grace is the Lord is the man in the Godhead of wholeness. So grace encompasses his names and the works of the plan of salvation. So Jesus Christ, the high priest, who is Lord and the man in the Godhead, has brought with him in Jesus' healing, in the tomb, preserving of the inner man, in the resurrection, the Christ who is the victoriously anointed, in the high priest, in the temple of the holy place, has brought with him the safety, the mechanism of safety through the blood. In him as Lord has brought with him the mechanism of soundness where every knee, everything that has a name is sound under his rulership to which he is responsible, but they are accountable. And then as man in the Godhead, wholeness, the complete wholeness 
of the mind of Christ produced and provided to us from his position at the right hand of God through the Holy Spirit revealing to us, giving us the ability to receive and the ability to release. So in grace we see Jesus Christ that John identified him as in John chapter 1. And if you haven't gotten my book, uh, I Surrender, then you need to get it because I break down all of the names of Jesus of which he is grace. So we're talking about who he is when we're talking about grace. When we're talking about um, uh, the other side of grace, we're talking about what he has done. He has, because of those names... And the works of those names, he has made a means where man could come in to an unmerited favor because of the cross. Man could come in to an influence whereby they could live under the victoriously anointed Jesus Christ and have the anointing themselves, an influence of anointing. Then... He has done for us, through this influence, the covering of the blood. Through this influence, his lordship. Now then, we go into the next phase, the way God does things. Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, has now become our man in the Godhead. He gives us, by grace, the way God does things. The very mind of Christ. Out of the throne room of God, where he sits as the man in the Godhead bodily. From there, his mind, released through the Holy Spirit, gives us the way God does things. So we have what he has uh, who he is in his name, and what grace has done. But there's another phase of grace. It is the open heaven of judgment, whereby all of the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. This again reverts to his position as the man in the Godhead. So when we see grace, we see who he is and what he has done. The open doors, the open avenues, the open means for man to not only come into grace by his names and titles, but the avenues of grace that he has produced whereby man can live and have the things that Jesus Christ promised that we would have, all accomplished by grace. What a great thing. But there had to be another element. Watch what it is. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible said, For you are saved by grace through faith, which is a gift of God. Of course, this gift is produced by the Godhead for the benefit of mankind. Now, as I mentioned, I'll be teaching on faith, the operation of faith, who has faith, and how faith should be used in coming podcasts, you don't want to miss that. Of course, the gift of faith became the genesis of receiving what grace did. 
and subsequently brought to us the saved life. Now, where did faith come from? Well, the Bible said every man's given a measure of faith. From that, every man would think soberly. Hmm, we'll get into it. The gift of faith, according to Paul, is the thing by which he, according to Galatians 2.20, now lives. Now, there was a hearing of the message that was provided, or one could not be saved. In that message was a conviction and a convincing. The attachment to that message was the receipt of the gift of faith that allowed the one to pray and seek forgiveness. Faith came. Faith came. It was a gift of God that fell upon a cultivated ground. Then Romans 10 was enacted in the inner man. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Faith was the gift that was used to receive the message delivered in the inner man by the Spirit of God. The word of faith? Now what is that? It is a revelation or an utterance, a rhema, that has made apparent what was required for the one who was receiving the message. What was required They had to believe in the message. What was the message? That you needed to be forgiven of your sins, that you were a sinner. You're lost, you're dying, you're on your way to hell. You had to receive the message of what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross. Faith was the prerequisite then to accept the grace of who he was and what he had done. It's not something that comes from simply saying, I believe there is a God. It's a response to the convicting and the convincing of the Holy Spirit. When it comes, it changes the inner man. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Now watch what I'm about to get into here. Because not long ago I heard a preacher say the Lordship of Jesus Christ was irrelevant to being saved. I'm assuming he never read Romans 10 and 9. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Now because of the development of faith in a revelation such as the revelation that says and becomes real to you that you are a sinner, and that you will spend eternity in hell if I don't repent and get right with God, and that there is a man who died and rose again to forgive you of your sin, because of that, I can be released from the bondage, captivity, and slavery of sin if I place my faith in him. I then confess that the lordship of Jesus Christ Why must I confess his lordship? Because, my friend, there is a prerequisite taught by Paul concerning how the Godhead exalts our Lord. Paul said that every knee would bow and every tongue confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lordship is essential. If there is no identification with his lordship, then the new birth, the possibilities of the new birth, the reproof, the conviction, and the convincing is aborted. Why? Because there will be no intent to bring yourself under his rule and his reign. If there is no lordship, you're rogue. You are not under the, the rule and reign of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Can there be rogue elements in the kingdom of God? Can there be those who enter in by another way? Can there be those in the kingdom of God who find an avenue absent of Jesus Christ's lordship and his command of rule and law? Not according to Jesus. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life? Uh-uh. No, he didn't. And few there be that find it. So the straight gate has a narrow entry. Let's see if Jesus addresses this entrance in Matthew chapter 7. This is what he said. Ye shall know them, in verse 16, by their fruits... Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth huh, good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Now, wait a minute. Can those who come in by the straight gate enter into the kingdom of God under the conditions of bearing evil fruit? Hmm, that's a good question. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Now, of course, Paul explains that to us in Galatians 5 when he talks about the 17 works of the flesh and he talks about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he shows us the development of the nine fruit of the Spirit that change the content in the inner man and therefore affect and change the behavior and the attitude of the outer man. Every tree, according to Jesus' words, that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, torn down. Oh, wait a minute. They're aborted. They're aborted. They are not a part of the kingdom of God. They are not a part of the work that Jesus Christ has done. Why? Because their fruits, their lifestyle, their thoughts, their behaviors, their deeds, those things that they put out there that comes from who they really are on the inside for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Yeah, those fruits, those things that are bearing evil, every tree that bringeth not good fruit, love, joy, peace, goodness, 
gentleness, temperance, kindness, meekness, faith, all of those nine fruit of the Spirit, they're hewn down and they're cast into the fire. Wherefore, Jesus said, by their fruits ye shall know them. This means that the entrance into the new birth is clear. Someone said, yes, but pastor, once I've confessed him as Lord and believed in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible declares I'm saved. Yes, it does. But it is the lordship component to which you will be responsible moving forward. Now watch this statement. One can think something and operate as if it were true. We have the right to determine our own truth according to the world we live in today. Thinking something and having a basis from which to believe something is completely different. Let me explain. We can think we are as good at something as one who makes millions of dollars doing it. We can tell everyone how good we are, and in certain circumstances, we can even demonstrate some of our abilities, but if we were presented with the absolute same conditions, competition, and situations, we wouldn't be in an elite class at all, because if we were, we would already be there. Our mind can rationalize and develop our own reality. If you look at the world today, who can dispute that statement? There is then a new factor. It's the belief factor. It's stimulated by faith. It's based on something. A substance and an evidence. It has something upon which it bases has a foundation for what it believes. It bases faith and the Christian life, bases its life, its actions, its thought, its mindset all on one man, one set of obedience, one circumstance of faith. And it says, if I follow him, and I imitate him as Paul has said, then I have a foundation for my belief and I can develop myself by faith into the image of his likeness. It has the fact, my friend, of documentation that shows what exactly we are believing and how come it is valid. In the case of Jesus Christ, our belief system has that and so much more. But the true indicator of belief is that the one believing is willing to surrender himself. To surrender his inner man, surrender his mind, surrender his flesh, bring his flesh and his fleshly desires under subjection, under complete control by bowing himself to accept the complete rule of law under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We bow and we present ourselves. This, as we will see, is the indicator 
that what we have confessed has become the reality of our life. If this is not done, then the work that was brought and planted in the inner man is aborted. Why? Jesus told us. He said that evil works have to be cut down, cast out. There's no place in the Christian life for a marriage between good and evil. You're going to serve only one. If this is not done, then the work that was brought and planted in man is aborted. It becomes an aborted uh, seed, an aborted planting. My friend, lordship is essential. Not because I said so, but because Paul, under the authority of the Holy Spirit, pinned the exalted name of Jesus Christ, now watch this, as Lord. Paul didn't give it to him. God gave it to him. He further described how everything that has a name, that's you and me, will respond to his lordship. They will bow, surrender themselves, surrender their inner man, their mind, and their flesh, and become loyal followers of his reign and rule. Verse 20 of Matthew 7, Wherefore, by their fruits, by their deeds, by their action, and by their words, you will know them. If the fruit is flourishes under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then they're known as followers as they have come through the straight gate. I know many that call themselves Christians. I know some that use language that is off color, out of tune with a belief system, not operating at all, but every time they use that language, they are telling the world what's really on the inside of them, what is really going on in them. It is evil that is being expressed. It is the relationship to sin that has never been hewn down. Therefore, the work of the new birth has been aborted, has been aborted. If the fruit flourishes under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then they're known as followers as they have come through the straight gate. If the fruit has the look of a tree bearing fruit, but when searched is barren, coming out of that tree, even though they're sitting in church, but coming out of that tree are the works of the flesh, even though they're in Bible study, but coming out of that tree are the works of the flesh, then we're finding the same tree that Jesus found in Mark 11. The tree is not doing what it was designed to do. And it'll be cut down, it'll be aborted, it'll be hewn, withering from the very roots. If the fruit returns back to where it used to live, after having been visited by the Holy Spirit, the fruit is seven times worse off than it was before. It is aborted what the birth would have done in them because it has chosen the old master and the old mentality 
which produces the old way. What is the result, my friend? The result, unfortunately, is the new birth gets aborted. It doesn't get nourished. It doesn't get developed. Out of the inner man comes words and a lifestyle develops that shows that the tree that was grown with such promise needs to be cut down. Needs to be cut down. It aborts the new birth. My God. What a sad commentary when we look at our world today and we see the actions and the behaviors of so many that are in direct opposition to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Why is that, Pastor Mike? And nobody's teaching them. Nobody's telling them. Nobody's sharing with them what the names of Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation has done and that Lordship is essential. Producing our ability to bow under the rule and reign of his Lordship. He was made a prophet. He was made a priest. But he was also made a king. In his priesthood, he has given us the sacrifice of his blood. But as a king, my friend, we need to bow under his rule and his reign. Come under the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. That spirit of life destroys evil. That spirit of life causes death and the law of sin and death to be abolished and life and peace to reign. If we're not operating under that, that alignment, then... Unfortunately, my friends, we are aborting the new birth. God, I pray that you'll minister to your people today, that your word will touch and move and lift and bring peace, that we will find you as Lord, that we will bow under your rulership and under your reign, make you king, not serve and turn to evil, but only let come out of us things that glorify, praise, and honor Jesus Christ. I thank you for all of it. Give you praise for every bit of it. Touch the people. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. May God bless you, my friends. Contact us at the means that I have given you at the first of the program. Remember, we're praying for you, and remember, we're coaching you in the Word of God. May God richly bless you, is my prayer, until we speak again.